The Lord is good. He is King of kings and he's Lord of lords. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for a leader. I want to be a follower. I know who my leader is. I know that my leader is Jesus Christ. I know that my job is to follow him and that wherever he leads, I'm going to go. And I don't know what the label will be attached to that. But today I'm going to be talking to you about something very, very important that a lot of people, the overwhelming majority, don't have a clue as to what I'm talking about today as I talk to you about the church. For most people, a church is a group of people get together, get a 501c3 nonprofit religious corporation so people's donations can be deducted from their income tax. And they set out from there to become a group that, that gets as many folks to come and sit with them and do whatever they do. And whatever it takes to get a lot of people to come and sit with them or walk with them or run with them or whatever, that's what they end up doing. And they totally lose their focus. They, they don't realize what a church is. All they know is the church they saw down the street are the only people they know that are followers of Jesus are those that say they're members of that church down the street. And so they say, if that's the case, I'm sure not going because I have no desire to be like you. And today we're going to talk about that. We hear a lot about how important it is to make America great again. And that is very important. But my message today is making the church great again. Because a nation without a great church cannot be a great nation. The foundation of America was built largely on the Word of God. Many of the people that signed the early documents were proclaimers, teachers, learners, and followers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they came together, they realized the importance of the Sabbath day. They realized the importance of allowing the church to be the church. They never intended for it when God made it for it to become any kind, in any way, a social gathering of like-minded people that have learned to somewhat get along with each other and enjoy one another in whatever comes down the pike. Now, if you're young, you don't remember that because you weren't here. You were just a dream in your parents' eyes, all right? And you don't understand from the holy heritage that we have. And for those that are the oldest in this room, you don't have either, and all of us in between. Because it goes back a long, long, long way. Matter of fact, what I'm fixing to talk to you about is argued by flesh and blood. Who started the church? When did it start? What kind of church was it? And I mean, there's, there's just knockdown, drag out arguments on that kind of stuff. And so I think it'd be good if we're going to make the church great again, we've got to understand where it started. So I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 16. In verse 18, Jesus said to Simon Peter, one of his early followers, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
That's the beginning of the church. There are few things that have as many false notions about as to where did a church begin. Where did it start? When did it begin? Many who say that they are members of the church do not know what a church is. And today, I want us to think about this. I've got to give you a kind of a lengthy introduction so that I can set you up for the most important thing at the end as to how do we make the church great again. A lot of people hold the church in light esteem that say they're Christians. They say they are Christians, but they don't believe in the church. The Bible says that, that the bride of Christ was his church. His church. Now, if you tell some man, I like you, but I don't like your bride, you don't get off to a good start. That's not the way to win friends and influence people. What you have to understand is that to take an attitude, and many do, and many that are probably here, and this is a casual thing for you to drop into, and we sure welcome you. But I just want to say very honestly and clearly, a lot of people take the church very lightly. They can take it or leave it. They'll go if they like what they do that pleases them, but they will not attend if they feel like that's just not who I am. Well, that's the bride of Christ. But here's the truth. The church was a divine institution appointed by God to do something that no one else was given instructions to do. That early church was given what we call a great commission. The great commission is in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. To go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have committed unto you, and lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. That was the commission. It wasn't 10 things they were to do. It was one thing they were to do. Jesus said, here's what I came to do. I came to seek and to save those that are lost. That's what I came for. Then he says to the church, your job is to take that message to a dark world that knows not a clue about what it means to be a child of God, a follower of Jesus, a born again adopted into the family of God. They have no idea. They went to the schools, but the schools didn't teach it. They went to the colleges and the college didn't teach it. They went to all the members of their family, but their family knew nothing about it. So the Lord puts it in his word and says, I want to be very clear to you. I came in order that fallen man from the time of Adam and Eve might have an opportunity to do something in their life that would affect their entire eternity that could not be done without me sending my only begotten son to the world to tell the world the truth about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then to be executed and pay the penalty of all people's sins that choose to let him pay their penalty with his shed blood. And the church has decided 
to take another path. You see, it is very important to the Father that we know who founded the church and who is the head of the church. The Father founded the church. Jesus is in control. Yes, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So where does the Holy Spirit fit in? The Holy Spirit fits in because when Jesus, the head of the church, left, he said, I'm going to leave behind the Holy Spirit that would be capable of filling any gathering with his presence that met for the purpose of doing what I want my church to do. And so it got started. Now, I grant to you, people argue that Abraham founded the church. Others will argue that it happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I would want you to note in that chapter, it says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were saved. 3,000 people came. They were added to those that were already apart from the early disciples and the days of Jesus Christ. And then there's other groups. Denominations have when they started, and the Catholic Church has when it started, and on and on and on. But here's the question for the morning. Question number one, you answer it. I hope you get the right answers. You don't have to be accountable to me. But if you get the right answers, you're going to get an A+. And you're going to get a whole lot of blessings. Number one, you got to answer the question, did Jesus found the church or did he not? He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Well, was he hallucinating? Did he just think that up spontaneously and that was just kind of a quick thought and he wished he would have never said it? I don't think so. Since he died for the church, I don't think that would uh, hold water. Well, then when did he found it? When did he found the church? I think I just read it to you. Why did he do it? Very, very, very clear. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what's he talking about? Satan lives in a place called hell. It is Satan's desire that everybody go there eventually. And because of the original sin of Adam, we all are born as sinners. We go through this life, and if we don't do anything about our birth as sinners... We will die as sinners. And that's what the devil hopes will happen. And so the devil is a father of lies. And so the devil begins to lie to anybody and everybody who will listen to him. There's some things you can do. There's some states of mind you can put yourself into where you don't think right. Your mind begins to be changed by what you see and what you hear and what you take into your body. And you don't think clearly. So When you don't think clearly, you make bad decisions. Then as you make bad decisions, those decisions lead you into temporary traps until they eventually lead you into an eternity without God and without hope. Paul and Peter and Abraham and all of those other incredible people of the Bible had their role, but it wasn't to establish the church. Jesus founded the church. So you've got to ask, do you believe upon this rock, I will build my church 
red letters, Jesus' word. Does he tell the truth? He said, I'm the truth. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Either he is the founder or he's not telling the truth or he's not telling the truth. When problems among the disciples arose, they referred him to the church. That's kind of interesting. So here's my point. Are you listening? Let's be careful that we don't try to recreate the church because this is our day. Let's be careful that we don't decide that's for them, but we're going to do something else. We're going to forsake the gospel. We're going to leave the gospel. We're going to become one of the best social groups, doing the best thing for the most people and make people feel good when they come, whether they're attending or whether they're going out and doing something good. That's what our priorities will be. That was not the priority of the church. When the Lord established the church, he established something that was absolutely, distinctly different from anything else. There is nothing that comes along beside the church to do what the church is supposed to do. Nothing. He gave himself to the church. He gave the Holy Spirit to the church. He gives power to the church. He gives wisdom to the church. He gives resources to the church. And no weapon is formed against him will prosper. Because this is the inheritance of the children of God. The disciples knew the word ecclesia. It's a good word. It means the church. It's a very good word. And they knew exactly what it was. But Jesus wanted people to know that what they saw and what they were calling church was not the real church. Jesus had a real problem with organized religion when he came to this earth because they were worshiping other gods. And for them to think because they said church that it was okay that everybody has their opinion. No, we don't have an opinion in this. We have a command. We have a clear word. Jesus said, I know my bride. He said, and not only that, I know my sheep and they hear my voice and they follow me. They don't follow the world. They follow me. They know what they're supposed to do and they do it. But those that are not my sheep get lost in a mire of temptation. And the first thing you know, they start compromising everything that Jesus stood for in order that they can, quote, reach the world, unquote. Folks, what you have to be careful about is when you talk about reaching people, it's what are you reaching them for? Because, see, they have many people. They want a new life. They want to make changes. They want to have an assurance of eternal life. But they're confused. They don't get much help from the secular world. They don't get much help from the media. They don't get much help from technology. But when Jesus was here on earth, one of his main things was to establish the church. Jesus knew he came to die. He came and laid down his life. 
But before he laid it down, he said, I'm going to build my church. And before I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Father is going to send the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is going to fill my church. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Holy Spirit shows up in your life, you will change. Anytime you get around the presence of the living God, you will change. If celebrities kind of make cold chills run up and down your back and you're just real impressed and you just want to touch them and get their autographs and you're so impressed, Lord help us if you ever find out that God has just showed up. Let me tell you what you'll do. You'll throw down your pen and you'll fall on your face like you were dead and say, behold the Lord, he's God. God watches us as we run around by our earthly gods. They're here today, gone tomorrow, and the world's gods are, are dying earlier than ever have. But we keep following them and keep following them. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that they were a church? Do you have any evidence? Could I give you a little bit? Number one, they had the gospel. You're going to have to read these. I don't have time to read them to you. Mark 1.1. They were given the gospel. Every one of them were baptized believers. Every one of them were baptized believers. Acts 1.22, John 1.33. They had an organization. Matter of fact, they had a treasure. He was dishonest, but they had one. They had the same head of the church, Jesus. He still is, was then, still is. They had two ordinances. One was Lord's Supper, communion. The other one was baptism. They met together for prayer, that first church did. They even had a business meeting and selected a person to replace Judas. Now, that makes it a Baptist church. They had a business meeting. <laughs> and they chose Judas' replacement. Now, here's my point. Jesus never intended for his church to be the invisible church. Millions of people are in that invisible church have no idea where it meets, what it does, and how they go about doing it. But they're in the church. Why? Because they say it's a church, then they got a 501c3 or whatever. No, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to visit. While people are wanting to get America to make America great again, those that go to churches ought to concentrate on making the church great again. It's time for the redeemed of the Lord to say so. It's time for those of us that have read Psalm 107 to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Start listening. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among you and be you separate, says the Lord. I want you to put your thinking cap on for just a moment. And I want to try to, in the next about 10 minutes, share some things with you that I think will make the church great again. Any born-again child of God will want to make sure they know what a church is. You don't go join something that says we're the what's happening now church until you know what that church believes. You've got to know, does your church, your salvation, if you're planning on your church 
standing in your place when you die and stand before a holy God, you need to know what God said. God did not give the church authority to determine who goes to heaven. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. There is no such thing as purgatory in the Bible where you pay money when your loved one dies in order that the church gets them into heaven. I'm sorry, friend, that is so far from the truth. It doesn't even bear any time to even discuss. We must understand that we are to be savior-sensitive, not seeker-sensitive. We must plan what we do, and the way we do it is, will God be there? Will he show up? Will he be comfortable? Will he rejoice? Will he be pleased because his children have obeyed his commandments? Does missions mean anything to them? Are they open to the leadership of God? John the Baptist, you remember him? He's a pretty crude guy. But what he said was, he said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. As much of success as he had in preaching, he realized his job was to tell people about Jesus. He was the one. The more that people look at Jesus or we can get them to, and the less they look at us, the more people are going to be saved. Can I say that again? If we can get people to quit looking at us and start looking at Jesus, a whole lot more of them are going to be saved. But in order for them to see Jesus, let others see Jesus in us. In other words, if they look at us, are we living proof of a loving God to a watching world? We say we are. I got my bracelet, my WWJD bracelet, okay? But I want you to know that when people look to us and don't see Jesus, but we tell everybody, but Jesus is in my life. I'm a born-again child of God. So listen to how I talk. Watch how I handle business deals. Look how I treat others. Watch what I do with my finances. Watch what I do with my life. People look at that and say, I don't think I want to follow Jesus. No, we must decrease and he must increase. Our affirmation of the biblical Jesus is far beyond any of our comprehension, mine included. It's going to take several million years for us to understand what an awesome God we had here and will have in heaven. His ways are so much higher than my ways and his thoughts above my thoughts that I cannot even compare to even stand. I really believe those that know Jesus as Savior, if Jesus were to walk in this room right now in the flesh, we'd fall on our face. We wouldn't want his autograph. We wouldn't want to have a cocktail party to honor his appearance. We would humble ourselves to brokenness. God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. And thanks for the blood that was shed for me on the cross. You see, the church that we need to get back to is a church that can meet the needs of every person on the planet. Everybody's not hungry. Everybody's not sick. Everybody's not confused. But everybody's lost until Jesus comes into their life. And so our responsibility, if we're going to make the church great again, is to get focused. It is to get focused on how is it 
that we represent the fact that he lives in our life. One of the things we come when the church gathers for worship, Jesus always, as was his customs, the way the Bible said it, was in God's place of worship on Sunday. He came. He didn't have any excuse. There was nothing that stood in his way. Nothing. Nothing this word. No game to be played. No thing to be done. But Jesus came to the house of worship and they worshiped him. Jesus always praised God the Father. He thanked God. He loved the Father. Our responsibility is to take that same attitude and praise God for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're to sing praises unto him. And we're here to give our tithes and our offerings to him to enable the gospel to be proclaimed to the whole world. Other people can do humanitarian things, folks, but only the church has been committed, the gospel has been committed unto us. Our ministry is to take the gospel to the world. Jesus to the world. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And so our job is to do that and to give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. This past week, Friday, I sat with a leader, Dr. Jim Richards, who almost passed away this year as the leader of all of our Southern Baptist churches in Texas, our Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. He came to Houston to have lunch with me. I was able to talk to him and ask him some real hard questions because I've been reading a whole lot recently about what is happening to churches across America and none of the books are good news. Dr. Richards with tears in his eyes said, said, John, I want to tell you number one, the giving of churches this year in the state of Texas is lower. For the first time, we did not make our budget in the history of our organization. I told him, I said, well, you know, Dr. Jim, I read the statistics that were printed and more than one half of the Baptist churches in Texas did not baptize one single person last year. You think that's power? Do you think that the church is really impacting the world? What in the world has happened? I'm telling you, folks, we need to make the church great again. The Bible says we're to give our first fruits, not our leftovers. And the world has conned church people just like he's conned the world's people. And the sad thing about the church people is now we can't do God's work because God blesses us to do his work, to shake the gospel around the world. And that's our responsibility. So to make the church great again, it's got to have the first priority. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in the storehouse as God has prospered them. That's what the scripture says. First things first. But we have chosen to be ineffective. Our job is to make our tithes, our offerings, our self available to serve not just be served. A thousand people will be serving you today. But are you a servant? What about the other 3,000 or so? What are they doing? Well, they're just getting served. 
Well, we try to do it good, that's for sure. But are you available to serve? Are you available to help people come to Jesus? Think about it. Are you really wanting the church to stay where it is, or do you want the church to become the church that Jesus wants it to be when the trumpet sounds and the Lord descends and the dead in Christ shall rise and those that are alive and remain will be called up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the words that I think that the real church wants to hear and will hear is well done, my good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over a few things, but I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. From the time I was a little boy, I can remember putting pennies in envelopes. I have watched children in vacation Bible school give and watch them weep as they gave. For they only week in their life something to the Lord to share the gospel with somebody in the world. Folks, that's what a church is. And you say, well, if I'd have known that, I'll never come back. Now that I know that, I know what y'all are up to. I'm out of here. I'm just one of those kind of people. Just, I was enjoying the music, enjoying the nice building, and I was enjoying you visiting me in the hospital, and I was enjoying the counseling center, and I was enjoying this, and I was enjoying that. And so I think you're telling me that I'm not welcome. No, you're welcome, but you're not getting blessed because you don't get blessed until Jesus is Lord of your life. As long as you hold to your beliefs that you've had all of your life that I am just going to do it my way we'll never see the church come back again we're told 60% of all, all offerings now come from people over 65 you hear what I said they're dying at 900 a day and we're in a nosedive while people just sit back Hear me, folks. If we don't have a passion for lost people, we have no business being a church. We are lying to a holy God. If we don't have the passion to tell people about Jesus and make it happen, the Bible doesn't waste any, any words when it comes to money. And boy, that's nothing makes people matter than that. I know that. I know that. But I want you to know something. God calls a person that says they're a Christian. Now, this is just those that say they're Christians, born again, that rob God of their tithes and offerings are a thief. How many people love thieves? I love thieves. I'd love to live in a neighborhood of thieves. Okay, no, you would not. But when you don't give your time, your talent, and your substance, the church will never be great again. I'm telling you, it's all dying. Servants are falling off. Attenders are falling off. Money is falling off. And we say... But we're going to make America great again. Well, if we're one nation under God, we better handle the God part. Because if the God part doesn't get right, the national part's not going to get right. And God says, I will supply your needs according to the tax plan of the Congress. No, according to my riches in glory. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills they graze on. And I'm just trying to find a few folks that I can just pour myself into that will make a difference in their world. Well, I remember those days when Billy Graham used to preach and millions of people hear him every year. And hundreds of thousands would come to Christ. We have people today that have no idea that we're going to have a, a crusade out in the new football stadium. And, and I've, if I've told 100 people, 98 of them said, what's that? Football stadiums are football, aren't they? No, not necessarily. But we're going to have a crusade 
for three nights and try to fill a football stadium, the Challenger Stadium, and see thousands of people come to Christ. And listen, folks, they're opening the doors in the schools for us to talk to the children, not about Jesus. We can't do that. And that's not the school's job. That's the church's job. Well, when the church don't talk about Jesus, where are they going to hear about Jesus? We're not here to not offend somebody. We're here to love people. And if you love people, you tell them the truth. When you love people, you care about where they spend eternity. And when you love people, it's only because Jesus lives in your life. So to make the church great, in summary, we want to bring people to Jesus and have them be touched by Jesus and learn to worship Jesus and to trust him with their time and their talent and their finances and understand that Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save their friends who are lost and says, for whosoever will come unto me, I will in no wise cast them out.